Welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. I've been doing film reviews since 1996, and you can read them anytime at Quipster.net. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. I also want to remind you that I do another podcast that covers brand new movies out in theaters. It is called the Quipster Film Review Podcast. Just search for it wherever you're listening to this right now, and you'll probably find it. Today we're going to finish off our three-part series looking at breakdancing films of the 1980s. As you know, last week I did Break-In from 1984, continuing on with another film from 1984. It is the follow-up to Break-In, Break-In 2, Electric Boogaloo, one of the most famous secondary titles in sequel history. PG-rated film, it does have some sexuality. The runtime is an hour and 34 minutes. Returning our Lucinda Dickey, Aldolfo Shabadou Quinones, Michael Boogaloo Shrimp Chambers. Ice-T is also returning here in a smaller role. Peter McLean, Susie Coelho, Harry Caesar, and Sabrina Garcia round out some of the supporting cast. Sam Furstenberg is the director and the screenplay credited to Jan Ventura and Julie Reichert. Now, mere words are really not going to do justice to the experience of watching Break Into electric boogaloo i would advise just watching it for yourself if you're interested after what you hear what i have to say regardless of whether i like this movie or not it is just an experience that you have to indulge in i think especially if you like bad movies because this is one of those films that is considered so bad it is good by many people it's really an audacious endeavor regardless you might even come away thinking it's pretty good fun anyway It's almost surreal in its approach to music and film. Now, obviously, Polish director here, Sam Furstenberg, who also directed American Ninja, he really had no clue as to what he was doing in shooting this musical, and he let things run completely out of control. He probably flipped on MTV, he watched a lot of music videos, especially the red-hot Michael Jackson, and he did his very best to emulate the look and the style and the feel and the vibe of what he got from that. So outside of a very flimsy, almost nonsensical plot, although based on a true story of a community that was trying to save a youth center in the Los Angeles region, really all stops here are pulled out in an effort to try to entertain the audiences at any cost. And say what you want about the film's quality. Even if you think the film is terrible, you have to admit it is pretty fun to watch, even on that level. It's a guilty pleasure favorite for just about anyone who endures it. Now, this is a thin and not altogether interesting plot. I guess that is in keeping somewhat with the first film, and I realize no one cares to watch a film that's actually called Break Two Electric Boogaloo because they think they're actually going to be interested in a good story, but for the purists, I guess I'll continue. Now, somewhere underneath the never-ending music and the dance numbers in this film is a story about keeping Shabadoo's community center for inner-city youth named Miracles from falling into the hands of this slimy developer who wants to bulldoze it to try to erect 
a shopping center in the middle of that community. Now, this would leave the kids that go to that community center with nowhere else to go. So obviously they're going to choose to fight the city council's decision to shut it down. But there's this window of opportunity that exists, a very small one, that calls for $200,000 in necessary repairs within a certain time period. So they decide that they're going to put on a show. They're going to bring in all kinds of people from the community to entertain paying people and to try to have like a telethon to be able to draw out money for those repairs. Now, obviously, dealing with this story any more than one has to would be a recipe for certain disasters. So I think we can all be thankful that there was this wise decision in ignoring that story as much as possible for at least half of the runtime. Breaking 2 was rushed out about seven months after the release of the very first Breakin, which came out in May. This one came out in December. That left very little time for development of this major motion picture. So if it seems like it's slapped together in a haphazard fashion, there's probably a good reason for that. Basically, it was meant as a cash-in flick. It tried to get this film out the door while the dance craze was still hot and the first film was fresh in the minds of the viewers and probably hitting home video markets at that time. So people who liked that film, the first break-in, and there were people that did, probably would want to see a little bit more. Although it is a sequel, it's kind of technical here. The three main stars are about the only significant characters returning from the first film, unless you figure Ice-T or Hot Todd or whatever the hell that kid's name is, is vital to each story. There are a few artistic liberties that are taken, most notably in that Kelly, played by Lucinda Dickey, is now from rich parents. She was nearly dirt poor in the first film. And apparently there's been some sort of romantic dabblings with Ozone and Kelly, yet Kelly seems to have no idea where Ozone works or who any of his friends are, save for Turbo. This is really a stretch, but it is necessary for the ambitious film to work because there are themes here of class battles and prejudices that run throughout Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo. Although actual racial epithets are completely danced around, so to speak, danced around, it's not a very heavily plotted film in general, but I think in addition to the main plot at hand, subplots abound to complicate the matter and keep the film going. One of those subplots happens to be the acting gig that Kelly is asked to do in Paris. That's a golden opportunity that just so happens to coincide with the deadline to try to save miracles. Another involves a rival for Ozone's affections in the form of a former flame who apparently cannot let him go at any cost. It further complicates Kelly's ability to roam comfortably in the hood where Ozone resides and to have the most awkward dance number of the film where Ozone and Turbo alternate dancing with this doll that turns into one of the several love interests in their lives as they're twirling around and sharing this doll with each other. It's a scene that you have to see for yourself to truly believe. And then there's Turbo's would-be love interest in the form of a hot Latina dancing cutie who almost does not speak at all. And when she does, eventually toward the end of the film, she's obviously dubbed in by somebody else. So with a very thin story here, some pretty poor plotting, some questionable acting, you're probably asking yourself why I should be so generous here as to still say you should probably see it, which I guess, depending on how you interpret that, it's not much, I admit, all I can say is that when the music is on and the dancers are performing, no matter how incredible the scenario or how silly the situation is, there is an inventiveness of breakdancing and the no-boundaries feel of the music video numbers that still manage to be entertaining. I'm not sure if the original intent was to make 
audiences laugh, but laugh you probably will again and again until perhaps you're no longer laughing at the film as much as laughing with it. Because this is not a movie about serious social issues, although it may pretend it is in the community center aspect of it. Or it's not really about these characters, but it's about having a good time. I have to admit, as cheesy as every single frame of Break Two is, I do admire it for what it's trying to accomplish with so little that's going for it. And although Breakin' had been a major hit for the oft-struggling studio known as Canon Films, Breakin' 2 did not fare as well. It did earn about less than 40% of the take of its predecessor just a few months prior. The soundtrack also was a bust compared to the robust chart toppers that you've heard on the soundtrack of the first film. The cast, nevertheless, was still able to capitalize on their success after doing the choreography and appearing in the music videos for Chaka Khan's I Feel For You and Lionel Richie's All Night Long. Shabadoo drew the eye of Madonna. She went on to use his choreography skills for her upcoming Who's That Girl tour, as well as her Ciao Italiana concert video. He would also choreograph the Academy Awards stage performance many years later. Three Six Mafia's Oscar-winning song It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp, he did work choreographing movies, including Jamie Kennedy's Kicking It Old School, so he did have a long career after this. Chambers himself, Boogaloo Shrimp, continued working with Michael Jackson and others on various dance moves that Michael Jackson performed on stage. It's questioned whether he actually had shown Michael Jackson how to moonwalk. That's a subject of kind of a lot of urban legend. After Boogaloo Shrimp's appearance in Break-In, he would also appear in film and on television, including famously performing as the Urkelbot on TV's Family Matters, and then he ended up choreographing the dance moves for the animated rap character MC Scat Cat for Paula Abdul's Opposites Attract. Lucinda Dickey's career was a little bit more short-lived. She had started in the early 80s as a dancer on the TV music variety show called Solid Gold, and then she did three films here for canon, both breaking films as well as Ninja 3, The Domination, which I'll cover at some point. I'm sure when I do Ninja films of the 1980s, that was also directed, by the way, by Furstenberg, who directed this film. She ended up stopping acting in 1990 altogether after getting married to future popular reality TV power player and producer Craig Poligian, who did Survivor and a bunch of others that you'll recognize. Meanwhile, the phrase itself of the title, Electric Boogaloo, that would become the satirical secondary title for just about every sequel deemed unnecessary by those who would follow the music industry. You would name any film it and its follow-up, and you would just say, Jury Duty 2, Electric Boogaloo, and people would know that you're kind of mocking that sequel. The actual origin of the name Electric Boogaloo actually came from a street dance crew it was based on in Fresno, California, called the Electric Boogaloos. That was back in the late 70s. One of whose members, Boogaloo Sam, had a signature dance move called the Boogaloo, which he named from a James Brown track and record from the 1960s. Of course, the word Boogaloo predated even that, but that's where it kind of stemmed from. So should you watch Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo? Really? I mean, what? I would say yes for the following groups of people. So one... If you saw Breakin' and you liked it, you probably should give Breakin' 2 a chance, at, at the very least. It's very different in vibe, completely different. In fact, it almost ignores Breakin' to a large extent, with the exception of the main three characters and their names. Even their personalities seem somewhat different. It's not really in keeping continuity-wise, even though it was made really around the same time. Two, if you love musicals, no matter how silly they are, give it a chance. It is... 
one of those movies that just kind of asks you to ride along with it if you like that musical logic. And that's something that I struggle with personally. But even dumb musicals, if you still find yourself enjoying them, you probably should give this one a shot. Three, if you're a street dancing historian or used to dance in the streets around the time of this release, there's a nostalgia factor there in seeing a lot of these dance moves that you see performed here. Really good dancing still. I mean, uh, very well choreographed as well. I have to give the film that. Four, if you love every damn film that exemplifies the period known as the 1980s, and of course you probably do, considering you're listening to a podcast that covers films of the 1980s, you're going to like what it has to display here. And lastly, I think, and perhaps more importantly, if you love those so bad they're good films that are not ashamed in reveling in gratuitous excess in trying to entertain you're probably going to get the mileage from Breaking to Electric Boogaloo. The Fred Astaire-inspired scene where Michael Chambers breakdances around on the walls and then on the ceiling that was built in this rotating room, which had originally been built and used for a scene in A Nightmare on Elm Street. That's practically worth the price of admission alone. There's a lot of little tidbits like that that are just crazy in the course of this film. It's bad movie making from most critical standards, but yet... It's one of those movies you kind of have to experience for yourself. It's by no means a good film. Although I would say Roger Ebert famously gave this film a thumbs up. So, you know, it it does have its champions. It never really had any intention of being a good film, though, I will argue. So it's like a street musician or a dancer or a mime. Yes, there is a mime very prominently in this film. It's just funny to see they had this idea that there were just these big entertainers that were going to draw people in, including jugglers. They mentioned that several times in this film. Oh, we're going to have jugglers at this. We're going to make a lot of money because, you know, that really draws in the crowds, I guess. Not No offense to jugglers. It's a real talent. But it's not really out to change your life as a film or to awe you with artistic significance. This is a movie that really just wants to arrest your attention just for a moment and leave you walking away with a smile. So... I'll drop a quarter in the hat for that. Uh, This is a movie, objectively, I probably should give one star to. Subjectively, I was entertained by it, but I can't quite give it a three-star rating. I mean, that's ridiculous. But I will give it two stars out of four. Two stars on my scale means that I think it's lacking something vital that keeps it from being a good movie. Here, obviously, it's going to be the plot and the characters in continuity with the first film and really all of the standards that we draw on for saying this is a good film quality-wise. It's not as good, I think, as Break-In in terms of objective quality. So Break-In I gave two and a half stars to. This one, it's a fun film for a lot of reasons, but just not fun enough to overcome a lot of the inherent problems with it. Two stars is the best, the very best I can give Break-In 2, Electric Boogaloo. So that's what I'm going to give it. And I know this film has a lot of fans who love it for a variety of reasons some of which may be that they actually do enjoy it without irony. And there are those people who have a lot of irony as to why they watch this. So whatever the reason, I know this is going to be one of those heavily downloaded podcasts. I do want to hear what you have to say about Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo, if there's anything that I missed covering here as far as why you love this film, or maybe even why you think it sucks, despite the fact that I say that there's a lot of redeeming qualities to it, you can write to me. You can find my contact information at my website, quipster.net. That's Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R 
Net. Next week, we're going to get into a new trilogy of films of sorts. Three films that don't really have a lot to do with each other, but for one thing, but I'll get into what that is next week. Another movie that has a fundraiser for a particular event, so it's in keeping here with Breaking to Electric Boogaloo. I'm going to continue on with one of my favorite all-time films of the 1980s. So that's a prelude to what I'm going to say about it next week, but it is a musical of its own. From 1980, it is The Blues Brothers. Yes, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, whole lot of R&B, rhythm and blues, blues and other acts in that film. The great movie for next week, The Blues Brothers. Check it out for 1980. And until next time, thank you so much for joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies. Yeah.